Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host. As always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we have a packed show for you today. We're going to be joined in a little bit by Jake Marsh. He is the play-by-play voice of Vermont basketball of the Catamounts on 101.3 The Game in Vermont. He's going to help us break down Vermont, uh, give a little preview to the Catamounts, and a little preview to this St. John's and Vermont game coming up over the weekend on Saturday. Really the biggest game of the year so far for St. John's, a test against the team in the America East, picked to win the America East, picked to be in the NCAA tournament. So a big game coming up for the Red Storm. We're going to preview that with Jake Marsh coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I will also briefly get to the win over New Hampshire on Tuesday night. The Red Storm certainly struggled in that game in the first half, fell behind by double digits. Uh, But I thought it was a really inspiring win for St. John's, albeit against a very, very lesser competition. An inspiring win in a game that they really got nothing out of uh, Mustafa Heron and were able to kind of grind out the win and get some contributions from others. But I'll get to that in a moment. Because what I want to open with is the big news of the week, and that is Rasheem Dunn uh, being granted this waiver or the, this the win on this appeal, and being granted eligibility for the remainder of this season. Uh, if you're not aware, Dunn was the transfer from Cleveland State. Uh, the NCAA denied his waiver about two or three weeks ago, so he was going to have to sit out the entirety of the 2019-2020 season. This comes after already sitting out all of last season at Cleveland State when he transferred there from St. Francis in Brooklyn, so he was going to have to sit out uh, two consecutive years and use a, lose a year of eligibility as well. Uh, this was crazy. There were some reports coming out that the Cleveland State AD uh, may have had a role in blocking this or you know in preventing Dunn from being eligible this season uh, but it, it all ends up getting revolved, uh, resolved and justice is ends up being served for Dunn and for the Red Storm uh, he will now be eligible to play and he'll actually be playing against Vermont this weekend and you know you don't need to need me to tell you how big this is for the Red Storm. We heard Zach Braziller say it on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. We've heard just about everyone say Dunn is pretty much going to be the third scoring option on this team behind LJ Figueroa and behind Mustafa Heron. He averaged double figures for St. Francis Brooklyn in the two years that he was there, and he is going to be a scoring threat. And I think that's something that St. John's really, really needs at this point in the season is that third scoring option. You know, you look at LJ Figueroa, you look at Mustafa Heron, obviously Heron not on Tuesday night against New Hampshire, but throughout the season, those are two guys that you know, you feel confident in that they can create their own shot, that they can, you know, you know, make their own their own shots and, and, and um, do that. But you really don't have that third option who can do that for St. John's. You know, someone like Josh Roberts, who has had an, an incredible start to this season, 
I don't know if he's someone that really you know is able to create his own shot. He's he's really a, a you know a, a near the basket type player. Uh, you know, gonna dunk and a layup things like that in the paint. He's really gonna play uh, and but needs a distributor to get him the ball. Same thing with guys like Moose Marcellus Erlington. Uh, Julian Champagne has had a really really I still can't say that name. Uh, he's had a really really good start to the season. Uh, has hit some jumpers as well, but again, you don't really want to run or rely on a true freshman playing in his first couple of games, especially as you know the season wears on. It, you know he, he will mature obviously, but you don't want to rely on freshmen, uh, to, you know, to be that third scoring option. David Carraher knocked down a couple of threes uh, last week, but again, not you know consistent enough. St. John's has really been lacking that that third consistent scoring option, and we've kind of seen it throughout these first uh, three games. You know, especially on Tuesday night in that first half when Heron couldn't hit a shot and Figueroa couldn't hit a shot, and Figueroa missed three straight free throws, and those two guys just seemed out of it. They just couldn't make a single shot, and St. John's fell behind by double digits because they didn't really have anyone else on that offense that can create their own shot in the half court, or you know that you felt confident enough in, in making a basket in the half court, and I think Rasheem Dunn now adds that to this offense, and I think that that's absolutely huge. He will be that third scoring piece that they so desperately needed uh, heading into, you know, the the meat of their schedule now, you know, a couple of big non-conference games coming up and then Big East play coming up in about a month and a half. You know, he should be now well, obviously well-rested, but any rust that he has uh, should be shaken off by the time that Big East play starts. So that's huge as well. Uh, as far as the starting lineup, I'm not sure if you slot Dunn into the starting lineup right away. If you did, you would obviously put him in for Nick Rutherford, who has played very, very well, especially in that you know pressing style defense that Mike Anderson likes to run. I feel like Rutherford's been very, very active on the defensive end of the ball. He's been a good facilitator as well. I'm not sure if you take him out. I'm always of the mindset that you bet put your, be- uh, your best starting five out there, your best five out there as starters. So I'm not sure if they're going to do that with Rasheem Dunn, who is obviously their third best player. But it, if if I were Mike Anderson, I would probably slot Dunn into the starting lineup. But I, I could really see it going other way with them with them holding tr- holding this uh, starting five the same as it's been the first three games with Rutherford, with Champagne, with Roberts, and then with Heron and Figueroa. Obviously, it, w- it really wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. But if Dunn does not start. He will certainly be the first guy off the bench, and that only strengthens the Red Storm bench going forward. And one other thought about this, you know, now with, with, with obviously justice being served in this Dunn situation and he'll play all season long, Ian Steer ends up not getting his waiver, but that's not a huge deal. He'll still be available for the big game against Arizona in a couple weeks, and then he'll obviously be available for all of Big East play. So it's not a huge loss uh, having Steer not eligible, the big man not eligible for uh, the next couple of games. But still, uh, the excuses are not really there now for St. John's to not have at least a decent season in the Big East, somewhere around 500, uh, you know, somewhere around six or seven or eight Big East wins. I think that that's really a reasonable expectation now for this team. Obviously, we've only seen them play th- three games so far. 
They've played three, you know, kind of cupcake schools, I guess you could say. Um, you know, not not the best competition, but they've certainly looked good in doing so. Uh, they will have a couple of big games coming up, so we'll see how to test them then. But the Big East is going to be very, very tough. We understand that. But there's no reason to think that this team does not have the talent and now does not have the coaching in Mike Anderson to where they can win a couple of games in the Big East to where they can be competitive in the Big East throughout the season. I think that's all we really want. Uh, from this season is just you know a competitive team that's going to play hard that's going to play fast in the Big East and that's going to win a couple of games in the Big East and I think that there's no reason to think that the Red Storm cannot do that now to be competitive in the Big East and to win a couple of games and we'll see uh, where the season goes but but they will be at full strength now really the entirety of the season and, and that's huge in Mike Anderson's first season now the excuses are not really there not that they've needed them so far but the excuses are not uh, really there they will be at full strength and We'll see what Anderson can do in his first season. He's certainly been impressive uh, throughout the way. Uh, And then just my quick thoughts on Tuesday night's win over New Hampshire. Uh, I tweeted this out post-game if you follow me on Twitter, at Troy Moriello. I thought that it was by far their worst game of the season, but I think that it was their best win of the young season of the three games so far because they really needed to work for it. You know, New Hampshire, I'm not going to pretend like this is a big win. I think that New Hampshire was picked uh, like eighth or ninth in the America East, and they'll be playing the the, the team that was picked to win the America East coming up. But... Um, you know, the uh, the New Hampshire was picked near the bottom of the American East, so I'm not going to pretend like this is some big win or anything like that. But the way that it came about, you know, falling behind by double digits in the first half, like I mentioned, Heron and Figueroa couldn't really get anything going in the first half. It was very, very nice to see LJ kind of pick up uh, his play in the second half. He ends up scoring 25, grabbing eight rebounds and uh, notching five steals as well. So that was good to kind of see LJ take that game over in the second half, especially when Mustafa Heron only had five points, only shot two of 12 from the field, did not hit a three-point pointer uh was just off his game the entirety of the night like I said only hit two shots it was really nice to see LJ Figueroa step up and be that leader for St. John's like he's done in games last year as well you know this isn't something new that we've seen from LJ Figueroa he's done it last year as well in some games when Shimori Pons uh, has been off you know last year you know you look at the Villanova game from last year the win he took that game over and he took this game over as well he really willed St. John's to victory um and I also was impressed with the supporting cast. You know, Josh Roberts, who I said has had an incredible start to the season, 12 points, four blocks, grabbed seven rebounds as well. Julian Champagne, 11 points and nine rebounds for him as well. And then guys like David Carraher uh, knocked down a couple of three-pointers, had nine points. Marcellus Erlington had eight points. So the scoring kind of came from everywhere. And I really like that, you know, the, the that the, the supporting cast did not really weather. You know, in, in, in the first half, they struggled, but in the second half, they started to kind of get going. They started to build their confidence, and they picked up their teammate, Mustafa Heron. You know, it, it wasn't just a, a one-man job picking up uh, the slack from Heron as that second option behind Figueroa. You know, Figueroa did his part, but then, you know, three or four guys, you know, Robert Champagne, Erlington, and Carraher kind of picked up the slack. For, uh, for Heron. You know, I, I've always said I think that Heron and Figueroa need to combine to average somewhere in the 40s for St. John's to be successful. They only combined for 30 in this game, but, you know, Roberts, Champagne, and uh, and Erlington and Carraher ended up uh, c- c- combining for, I believe, 40 points of their own. 
And, you know, that's kind of a recipe for success for St. John's or an alternate recipe for success for St. John's, I guess, if uh, Heron or Figueroa have an off game. But I, I think that that's a confidence builder for St. John's as well. You know, you know, knowing that one of your superstars had, you know, really the worst game of his of his time here at St. John's and you were still able to pull away with a relatively comfortable 13 point win, uh, 74 to 61. So, uh, you know, an impressive win for St. John's nonetheless. Uh, you know, obviously taking the opponent into consideration, but I, I think it's an impressive win and something to build off of. But now, obviously, the real first test of the season comes with the Vermont Catamounts coming in, a team that, like I said, was picked to win the America East and to be an NCAA tournament team this season. It's a senior-laden team. It's a team with a lot of experience uh, playing these high major programs, so it's going to be a good game. I haven't seen a spread yet, but like I said, I would imagine this being a close game, uh, you know, being anywhere from, you know, a 5- to 10-point game, a single-digit type game and we'll see but we will break it all down right now with Jake Marsh uh, like I said the Vermont play-by-play voice on 101.3 the game in Vermont so if you are a listener of this podcast up there and you want to listen to Jake call the game you can on 101.3 uh, the the game in Vermont so uh, check that out and we'll get to the interview right now with Jake Marsh and I'll be back on the other end to wrap this up hope everyone enjoys all right I now want to welcome on a very special guest. It is Jake Marsh. He does play-by-play for Vermont Catamounts basketball on 101.3 The Game in Vermont. Jake, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a big game. Uh, first, though, I have to get to something else. Obviously, I'm not sure what the what the crossover is between uh, this podcast fan base and the part of my take fan base, I'm sure since part of my take is so big, there is a good amount of, of crossover. So some people uh, may know you from your summer as an intern there. So just tell me what that summer was like uh, working with the part of my take guys and uh, being the uh, the sports business reporter over there. Yeah, honestly, it was incredible. Um, obviously, a lot of my work, everyone's seen what they've been, I've been up to if you follow the podcast. But the guys are really something else. They're great to work with. It's great just talking to them not even just about sports just anything else it's a great time experience in that office absolutely um now getting into this game uh have you have you ever been to Carnesecca arena before um you know i walked by it uh, my junior year of high school mm-hmm. um i called a syracuse st john's lacrosse game <laughs> uh in queens from a parking lot i guess is where they set up yeah yeah mm-hmm. the, the radio feed so i called that game and we walked towards the outside of Cornersecca but I haven't been inside yet and looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I forgot that you're a, you're a Syracuse alum. What's going on with that? Are you guys ever going to schedule us again? Because Are you a little bit scared because we beat you three straight years? <laughs> I don't know. I remember my freshman year you guys came to the Dome and Syracuse got the job done right after they left the Big East. But mm-hmm. since then I guess they've stayed away. They've only played Georgetown. Yeah, three in a row for us. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that going again. We got a little three game winning streak against you guys. <laughs> yeah, Syracuse trying to schedule but it seems like they keep their schedule consistent i know they have a tournament at barclays center mm-hmm. uh, they just beat colgate last night so we'll see what happens with them yeah all right so let's let's get into our game now uh, I, I mean no disres- disrespect to the vermont team when i say st john's fans probably aren't familiar with uh, many of the players on their team or on their roster so if you could just give me a rundown you know who are some of their leaders uh, who's going to do most of the scoring for this team? Maybe just you know a quick rundown of their starting five as well. Who are some players that we should know? 
Yeah, so by far the guy that's going to stick out to you on paper is Anthony Lamb. He's a senior captain, co-captain from Rochester, and they're calling him potentially, well, definitely an NBA-type player, but he can make some noise in the NBA if he continues to work hard and have his good season. He's one of the best mid-major players in college basketball, and that's not just me speaking from bias. That's if you talk to John Rothstein, you talk to Jed Goodman, Seth Davis, they'll all agree that he's probably one of the best-kept hidden secrets in college basketball, averaging 21 points, eight boards last year. This year, in the first three games, he's had two double-doubles, and the other game, he had 20 points. And in that 20-point game against Bucknell, a three-point win, 18 of them came in the second half because he had two first-half fouls. So when in doubt, the team will go to Anthony Lamb, and he's a tremendous player and a great person as well. Yeah, it seems like they're a pretty veteran team. Just looking at their leading scores, you mentioned Lamb. Uh, is, is that the case? Are they, are they a team with a lot of veteran leadership? Yeah, absolutely. So Lamb's one of the co-captains I mentioned. The other one mm-hmm. is Everett Duncan. If you're unfamiliar with Catamount basketball, the saying is, Vermont runs on Duncan because last year there were three Duncans on the team, all brothers. Ernie, who graduated last year, he actually just called the game last night with me <laughs> against BU, did a great job. But his younger brothers, Everett and Robin, are still on the team and in the starting lineup. Everett, known for his three-point shooting, still looking to get it going, as is the rest of the offense. But he's averaging 12 points per game so far this year. And Robin stepped into the starting lineup for the first time last year. He actually got a decent amount of starts a year ago. So they're both going to make some noise offensively as well. Okay, and uh, you mentioned the shooting there. What uh, what style of play does does Vermont like to utilize? You know, are they are they a fast team? Do they like to play fast? Are they physical? You mentioned the shooting. Are they a three point shooting team? What do they kind of like to play? Um, I think they'd like to be more of a three point shooting team than they are right now. And no disrespect to them, but I think they would agree that they want to make their three point shots. I know coming into last night's game, they were just fifteen percent from three, wow. and last night they went to five of twenty from three. So that's definitely a focal point that they're going to try and improve on is hitting their three point shots. But when they're not hitting their threes, they're really confident in handing the ball to Lamb down low because, like I said, when he's got the ball down low, he can make some noise and score baskets. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Red Storm in, in your research for this game, but under Mike Anderson, they certainly like to run. You know, they're a running team. They want to get up and down the court. Uh, they want to, you know, full court press, create a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know, they're averaging somewhere in the 80s or 90s points per game so far. Um, do you see Vermont being able to keep up with that? You know, being able to handle that press. They, as you mentioned, they are a senior team. So do you, do you see them be, being able to handle that kind of you know hectic uh, 40 minutes of hell style of play that St. John's runs? You know, it'll be interesting, and all the off-season conditioning, I guess, will be put to the test this weekend. But one thing that Vermont has this year that it hasn't had in the past is the depth. And they're going to be playing nine, maybe even ten guys deep on Saturday. So maybe if guys get a little tired, they can go out for a quick breather. Um, Maybe that'll help the Catamounts if they can keep up with the speed of the Red Storm. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at the the schedule, and I can't help but notice a game against Virginia coming up uh, next Tuesday at Virginia. Uh, I'm curious because uh, for St. John's, this is a huge game. I, you know, they haven't really played anyone yet. Uh, they played, you know, Mercer. 
uh, Central Connecticut and New Hampshire. Not really games that you're going to get up for. Vermont is obviously the favorite in their conference. It's a big game for St. John's. It's on a weekend. They're really looking forward to it. But on in Vermont's case, you know, they have the defending national champions coming up uh, next week. Have you talked to any of the players about what it's like? You know, is do you kind of see it being a look-ahead opportunity for, uh, for Vermont, or, or what, what's the feeling behind that? You know, I could see that being the case, but in all honesty, when you're in the American East, you view any high major game as in big-time opportunities. So this trip is actually going to be bundled into one. We're going to New York City and then straight to Charlottesville. So we're looking at two big-time opportunities here. Um, and the Catamounts obviously just trying to claw out any win they can. Mm-hmm. And you would think, they're, they're, like you said, you're, their seniors are, are better than that to look ahead for, for a team, you correct? Oh, absolutely. And they have the high major experience. Last year, we were lucky enough to go to Lawrence and play Kansas. We played Louisville two years before. I wasn't with the program, but uh, they have played for 40 minutes in Rupp Arena. Only lost to Kentucky by four points. And then in the tournament two years ago, held tough with Purdue. And last year, almost upset Florida State. So the high major experience is there, especially for the guys on the current roster right now. Lamb, Everett, Duncan, Steph Smith, they were all on those teams that played against those big-time programs. Mm-hmm. So so it definitely sounds like, I mean, St. John's isn't going to be a huge favorite in this game, but certainly sounds like they're going to be on upset alert. I know that you can't make a prediction since you're calling the game, but for you, give me you know your keys to the game. How, how does Vermont win this game, in your opinion? So I touched on it before. They have to get hot from deep because, like I mentioned, under 20% on the year from three, that's just unlike UVM. You have shooters in Everett Duncan, in Steph Smith, and even off the bench, a guy named Ryan Davis has played out of his mind in the first three games. He had his first double-double against Bucknell. So if the Catamounts want to – I have the trust that they're going to hang with these high major teams, but if they want to kill that void and do something that they're still looking to do, which is beat – the big time program, they're going to have to get hot from deep. Sounds good. And I, I think it's really going to be a good game. I, I haven't seen a line yet, but I, I think that it's going to be a game that's played within, you know, a five point window. Uh, you know, St. John's is picked kind of t- towards the lower of the Big East, but they're really looking forward to this game. And as is Vermont as well. But Jake, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. You didn't have to do this. So I really uh, appreciate you coming on and best of luck along the way to your catamounts. They, they certainly sound like an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, knock on wood, hopefully they are an NCAA tournament team. Like I said, that's pretty much the only one big thing missing. Obviously, UVM beat Syracuse in 2005, but <laughs> since then they're looking to get in the tournament and win a game or two, so we'll see what happens. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to hearing you some more on part of my take as well. I'm sure that uh, we'll be hearing you throughout the year on that as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, talk to you soon, man. <laughs> yep, thank you. Bye. All right, big thanks once again to Jake Marsh of 101.3, the game in Vermont. He is the play-by-play voice over there for the Catamounts, so check him out if you live up there. But big thanks for him coming on and helping us preview uh, this weekend's big matchup between St. John's and Vermont. Certainly the biggest game of the year so far for St. John's and really the biggest game of the year for Vermont as well until they play uh, Virginia next week. But it's really a big game. Carnesecca Arena is hopefully rocking 
Um, you know, the attendance figures have been very, very low at Karnaseka Arena through those first three games. I think they've only gotten like 3,000 fans per game, so that's like half full. Uh, we really need need Karnaseka to be loud. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I have work during the game. Um, but, you know, all who can attend, I really encourage you. The students, if you're a student listening to this, please show up to the games. I don't know what's going on there. The tickets are free now. And you live on, especially if you live on campus, there's no excuse to not go to the games if you're a fan of the team. Uh, when I went to St. John's, I was at every single game that I could have possibly gone to. I lived on campus as well. It's it's a five-minute walk to Karnasek Arena, and the game is two hours, basically, and then you're out of there. I mean, it, it's not a big commitment to go to these games. It, there's no excuse for the student section to be uh, that barren. I understand that it's weeknight games, but especially on a Saturday game like this one, it should be packed, and it should be packed with, with uh, all the other fans as well in the uh, in the general seating. So we'll see about that, but but please pack up, pack up Karnasek Arena on Saturday because these attendance figures through the first three games of the Mike Anderson era have been way, way too low. I understand that there's not a whole lot of hype around the program so far. Um, you know, there's not that big name coach like Chris Mullen was in his first year when the team wasn't very good. But at the end of the day, they should still be doing more than half full at Karnasek Arena just based on, you know, previous years. Uh, attendance figures as well. So please pack Karnasek Arena on Saturday. Uh, I will probably be doing a couple more of these preview episodes if the audience likes them. If you'll remember, I did a couple of them last year for those of you that were listening. Uh, I think I did one last year for the Rutgers game. I did one for the Georgetown game at home. I did one for one of the Seton Hall games. I think I did one for one of the Big East games as well, the Big East tournament games. So, you know, just, just uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of these, let me know. I'm probably going to do do them, you know, once every, every month or so, although I, I think I will be doing one next week as well for when they play, uh, before they play Arizona State in that tournament. I'll probably try to preview that tournament. Uh, Not sure who I'm going to have on to preview that yet, but I will try to probably preview that tournament just because I think that that's a little bit bigger of a deal than them playing Columbia on uh, next Wednesday night. So I'll probably have a preview out of of, uh, whatever, what is it, the Mohegan Sun Classic or whatever they're playing in next weekend against Arizona State. Uh, I will talk about that. We'll probably have a show next Thursday as well. But um, you can expect these preview shows every once in a while really whenever the week uh, permits to do them to doing them you know this week I kind of figured the New Hampshire game was going to be more of a blowout obviously it wasn't a blowout but it wasn't the most eventful game I kind of figured that the regime done eligibility ruling was going to come down either Wednesday or Thursday and it did end up coming down on Wednesday so I wanted to hold off on a show and I figured why not uh, do a little bit of a preview for this Saturday's game instead of just you know solely breaking down the uh, the Tuesday night win over New Hampshire but that was kind of the plan and um, we'll, we'll see how many more of these we do going forward but as always if you are a listener and if you're interested in joining me in breaking down any games please let me know i'm always open to having uh new new voices on this show we just had jake on the show obviously so you know anytime any if you have anyone that is interested in coming on or you you yourself are interested in coming on please let me know i'm always looking to get some some new and uh, unfamiliar voices onto the show. You don't need to be a reporter, like I always say. You don't need to be a journalist or anything like that. You just need to, you know, be able to put together a coherent sentence after games about the Red Storms. So you can just be a fan. I already had one person reach out last week, looking for a couple more as well to kind of build uh, the the network of contributors to this show. So if you have anyone please let me know. Or if you're interested, please let me know. You can always find me on Twitter at Troy Moriello, M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. But that will wrap up our show for today. 
Want to thank everyone for listening. Want to thank Jake Marsh for coming on to help us preview the Vermont and St. John's game over the weekend. It's a big one, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are as well. Like I said, we'll be back next week, probably next Thursday as well, with a preview of the whatever tournament that St. John's is in featuring Arizona State and uh, featuring Virginia as well, actually. So that'll be next week's show. But for now, looking forward to this weekend against Vermont. And let's go, Johnny's.